Um, today we're in, uh, we're continuing through Daniel, and we're in Daniel chapter 6, probably one of the most well-known stories in Daniel, if not the whole Bible, um, because uh, this is Daniel in the lion's den, um, is where, where we are today, um, and so I find it very fitting that uh, we just sang, It Is Well With My Soul, um, as we're about to look at a geriatric man be thrown uh, into a pit of lions. Um, and so that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, but it's, it, I think it's really what Daniel could say at that moment. Um, I think he could, could, uh, could say that. And I, I hope we can as we face those kind of moments. But, but yeah, um, so time has passed. Uh, Daniel is now in a new kingdom. He's under the rule of the Medes and the Persians. Uh, we just saw in the end of, ch- of chapter 5 them defeat Belshazzar. Um, who uh, was the last Babylonian uh, king, and now this guy named Darius is in charge. Um, Darius really perplexes us from history because outside of Daniel, uh, we don't have any reference to him, and uh, we have reference to the king who conquered Babylon um, as being Cyrus, uh, who is also mentioned in Daniel. Um, So we're not real sure who Darius is, other than at the point of this story, he's the guy in charge. Um, So... Uh, so we, we, can, we can know that. Uh, but know, know this too, as we go into the story, um, you know, growing up, little kid Bibles and everything, uh, I would, I remember the pictures, right? The pictures always stick with you. And all the pictures of like Daniel in the lion's den, what did Daniel look like? Yeah, Daniel looked like Ben, right? Like stand up, Ben. Like, like see, that's what the pictures look like, right? You know? <laughs> When in reality, Daniel probably looked more like Derek, who was just up here praying. And Derek, I'm not going to make you stand up again, all right? Um, but, but yeah, we have, we have those mental images of like Daniel in the lion's den. It's like, oh, this young guy in there like petting the kitties, right? Like, no, like this was an old man who was thrown in this pit full of lions whose only purpose in life was to kill and devour. Um, they, they were... They were the, the source of execution. Um, and so just keep that in mind as we go through the passage for today. Uh, I'm also going to maybe make some connections with this passage that, that you might have not thought of before. Um, and so stick with me. Uh, because when we come to familiar passages like this, we have temptations uh, to kind of be like, oh, I already know this. I, I know this story. I've got this one down, whatever. Uh, but I think there's some more here um, that, that we're going to see today that maybe, maybe you've realized before. And if you're new to this whole thing and you've never heard this story, well, welcome. You picked a great week to come because this is a, a great story uh, to hear. But I have basically four points from the message today. I'm going to give you all four up front, and then we'll see them as we go through the passage as well. First, God rewards faithfulness. Second, God answers prayers. Third, God punishes evil. And fourth, all glory to God. So God rewards faithfulness. God answers prayers. God punishes evil. All glory to God. So let's jump in to our passage for today. So Daniel 6, starting in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, 
and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And so here we have the picture. Daniel, who in the end of chapter 5 was all of a sudden put back as third in charge of the kingdom that was falling that day, right? Like that was what Belshazzar says, you're number three, which means, which meant as we looked at, he was number two in the city that was being conquered. Like, yay, what an honor um, that I have been elevated. But Daniel, uh, being Daniel by God's protection, survives that. And the new guy that comes in, he's setting up a, a way to rule and way to reign, and he's he's putting different people over different areas and then people over them. And Daniel's into the top three already again. And, uh, and then he's doing such a good job. And because of his character and because of the way that he's, he's carrying himself, the king's like, hey, I just, you know, I was really good at that conquering thing. I don't really like this, like, ruling thing. So I'm just going to put Daniel in charge over all of it. And then I can do whatever I want, right? Like, that's, that's kind of what he's got going on here. Um, and so uh, he's, he's ready to, to make Daniel in charge over everything. Well, some of these other guys don't like this. And they're like, hey, you know what? We need to find a way to take this guy down. And they look at him and they look at him and they say, we got nothing. We got nothing that we can hold on this guy. There's nothing that we can use before the king to say, hey, you can't put Daniel in, in charge of, because of this. Right? And so they, they come to the conclusion, conclusion the only way we're going to have anything on this guy is if it has to do with the law of his God. The only way that there's going to be something that we can hold against him, against his character, against the way he carries himself, against the way he acts, is if it has to do, if, if we can somehow pit him, him and his God against the government, against the king. That's the only way we're going to have anything on him. And that's the kind of character that Daniel had. And he had the character that was full of faithfulness. He was faithful to God. He was also faithful to the king. And I want to, that's our first point is the fact that God rewards faithfulness. God's elevating Daniel again. Daniel's being faithful to God and God is elevating him. He's putting him in a high place once again. And rewarding him. He's, he's, I mean, at this point in his life, Daniel's probably been through eight different kings. Eight different kingdoms, eight different rulers. This is a whole new group of people that's now ruling. And again, God is blessing Daniel, taking care of Daniel, and he's rising him up in the ranks because God rewards faithfulness. And I want to ask you, if somebody were trying to take you down, could they find something on you besides it has to do with something against the law of their God? I know they wouldn't have to look that far for me, right? Like, there's, there's a lot more that we have. And so the level of faithfulness and the level of character that Daniel had is something to really be admired. And something that I think we can look at and say, yeah, this is something that he's learned over a lifetime. 
as an older man, he, is, he has grown in his, his faithfulness. He's grown in his ability to walk with the Lord, um, but also being faithful to whichever king is in charge at the time. And so I ask you, are, are you walking in that kind of faithfulness to God? If not, where, where is an area of correction for you? Um, a little bit later, Christians, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And this is a time for us to reflect on our hearts, reflect on our lives. Are we walking in faithfulness to the Lord? Are there areas of our life that, are, that have kind of gotten off track, that we need to repent of, that we need to turn back from, that we need to focus in on Him? And so as we go through the rest of the service today, examine your heart. Have that moment of prayer with the Lord of God. What in my life doesn't match up with the kind of faithfulness that Daniel was showing here? And repent of those things. Turn from them and turn to him. Well, it goes on in verse 6. So then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be charged, cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. And so, they, 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 this is what they've come up with. Hey, Darius, let's pass a law. You know, this will really help everybody kind of come into the new kingdom, like accept you as the real ruler, the real leader. Nobody can pray to anyone besides you for 30 days. This is a great idea. So what does Daniel do when he hears this? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So Daniel kept doing what he had always done. He kept praying to God. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And so we see here that Daniel keeps staying faithful to God. When it comes to the point that you have to be either faithful to God or faithful to the government, what does Daniel choose? Faithfulness to God. Scripture is clear, as much as we can, yes, be faithful to the government. Be faithful to the rulers of the land, as much as we can. But at the point where they say this and God says this, you go with God. And that's what Daniel's doing here. That's what he's modeling for us. He's like, he heard what the new rule was, and he said, well, I'm going to keep doing exactly what I've been doing. I'm going to keep being faithful to God because God rewards faithfulness. One thing that always kind of confused me about this passage, though, is, I mean, come on, Daniel. Could you not at least have closed the door in front of the window? Like, why do you have to have the window open on the second floor where everybody can see you? Like, you know, Jesus talks about we go into, like, our inner closet and pray. Like, come on, Dan, you could have done that, Daniel, right? Like, then who would have known? I mean, I pray all the time, and nobody would know I'm praying because I'm not saying anything out loud. I'm not closing my eyes. I'm not babbling things or whatever. Like, I, I, I just 
and talking with the Lord, right? So Daniel, why didn't you do that? And then one time I was, I was reading in another passage of scripture and it struck me, this is why Daniel prayed that way. The answer in the, in the passage right there is just he kept doing what he, was, he always had done. But why was he always doing it? Why was he always in that spot looking towards Jerusalem? Looking towards the land that he had been taken captive from. He was a captive from Judah. When, when Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem, he was taken into captivity. That's what we saw in Daniel chapter 1 as a young boy. And now he spent his whole life in captivity serving all these different kings. And yet he's still looking back to his homeland. And when we look at scripture, why was Jerusalem conquered? Because of the sins of the, of the Israelites. They had not followed God's law. They had not listened to the Lord. They had not done what he said. And so he executed judgment on them. The judgment was they were conquered. We're going to see later on when we get to Daniel 9 that Daniel actually had uh, some of, of the other parts of the Old Testament because he was reading from the prophet Jeremiah when he figured out how long it was supposed to take that they were supposed to be in exile. And so he had other parts of God's word, especially at the place he was in the kingdoms that he was in. Any of these documents that were around, Daniel would have had access to them. And so he had that. So he, he knew at least Jeremiah. But I want to propose to you that maybe he knew 1 Kings as well. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, we have Solomon where he's dedicating the temple. This is kind of the high mark in Old Testament faith, in Old Testament Judaism, is the moment where the temple has finally been built. It's this amazing temple that Solomon has built. It's a beautiful thing. And Solomon prays this long prayer in 1 first, in first Kings 8 over the temple. And in this prayer, there's one section that we get to in verse 46. And let's see if this doesn't apply to what we see in Daniel. Okay? So Solomon is praying. He says, If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them, and give them to an enemy, so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near. So you're a young Daniel, and you've, you've got these Old Testament writings, and you're reading them. Do you think this would stand out to you? Where an enemy has conquered you and he's taken you off, far off or near. Then Solomon prays this. Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been ca carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captors who carried them captive and pray to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name then hear in heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all the transgressions they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who have carried them captive that they may have compassion on them for they are your people and your heritage, which you brought out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. So Solomon prays, 
hey, God, when these people mess up, like I know they're going to because we all mess up, when that happens and you punish them by taking them to this foreign land, I ask you, Lord, please forgive them and please restore them when they repent, when they turn their hearts away from those things, and when they look towards this land, this land representative of you, this land that is a symbol for you in the Old Testament, this this land that is, is a marker for who you are, when they physically look towards this place and pray, forgive them. So what do we see Daniel doing? We see Daniel offering these kinds of prayers. In Daniel chapter 9, we'll, we'll look specifically at one of the prayers he's praying at this time in his life. And it's a prayer of repentance, a repair of repentance for his people, for the sins that they've committed and asking the Lord to forgive them and restore them. And so I think he's, you're like, well, maybe that's a little too literal that they have to look towards the land. I don't know, if I'm captive in a foreign land and I, I see this prayer from 400 years ago from the high mark of my faith, I'm probably going to take it pretty literally. I'm going to say, yeah, if, if this is what Solomon said I should do to get restored, for us to be out of captivity, for us to get to be back in God's land and his being his people and not under all these different other reigns and all these different other kingdoms coming in and conquering each other and beating each other up and then we're just kind of hanging out there under it. Yeah. And so I think that's why Daniel throws that window open, bows down, facing towards where Jerusalem is, and he's praying to God. And he's doing that every day, three times a day. He is faithful in his prayer. I want to ask you, do we have that level of faithfulness in our prayer life? Where we're being faithful in praying to the Lord. Maybe we don't feel the level of need that Daniel felt. felt. I don't know. But we should. But maybe Daniel's example here in his prayer life is what should challenge us. I think we should be challenged by Daniel throughout this story. And so... But what, it, what Solomon prayed was when they do this, Lord, restore them, but also give them favor. Give them compassion in the eyes of their captors. And what do we see here in just a minute with Daniel? What does he have? He has compassion from Darius. Already at the beginning of this chapter, Darius is wanting to put him in charge over everything. Why? Because God's hand is on him. And God's blessing him and God's working through him. So Darius is going to put him in charge of everything. In just a minute, we're going to see how upset Darius is over um, the idea that Daniel um, is going to be executed. And how sad he is over it. Why? Because he has compassion for Daniel. And so we see already here in this part of Daniel that just by what Daniel is doing, God is answering the prayers of Solomon 400 years earlier. Just by what's going on in this passage, we can see God answering prayers. I want to ask you, on that note, in our prayer life, are we praying prayers that God can still be answering 400 years from now? Are we praying prayers that are only about two seconds from now? Or right now? Right? There's nothing wrong with praying about right now. Yeah, we need to. But man... What if we were praying prayers 
about that would still be being answered 400 years from now. What an impact that could make. So we see here the fact that God answers prayers. Now, compare that to Darius, okay? So God here in this story, 400 years later, is answering a prayer. How old's Darius at this point? Not 400 years. How old is Darius now? Dead. Gone. In fact, history outside of this book has no clue who he is. Right? And so Daniel has been told to pray only to Darius. Which, what can that do? Right? What can Darius really accomplish compared to prayers of a living and mighty God who is sovereign over all of eternity, past, present, and future? Which one can help us? Which one can meet our needs? I think that answer is pretty clear. Well, the story goes on in verse 12. It says this, Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. And set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance of the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. So we saw, and we already see Darius's compassion for Daniel. But we're about to see Darius have a little bit of a moment of realization here. And he says this, Then the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Darius has come to the realization, I cannot do anything to help this guy, but maybe, just maybe, his God can. He is faithful to his God above all others. Maybe, just maybe, his God can save him. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So Darius truly has compassion for Daniel, and he is distraught over what's going on with Daniel. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where, da where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den 
So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. He was faithful to God above all others, and God rewards faithfulness. God is a God who can protect, he can deliver, he can rescue. And he rewards faithfulness. Now, on to the snitches get stitches part of the story. (laughs) And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives... And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So in case you think, oh, well maybe Darius, like, he just snuck the lions some food so they weren't really that hungry that night. So so that's why Daniel made it through. No, the minute Daniel comes out, these guys go in. Before they can hit the ground, the lions are devouring them. These were savage beasts who were there to kill and execute. That was their purpose in life. And so we see here that God punishes evil. We see that in this whole big story and the fact of that Daniel and the Israelites have been conquered, that God punishes evil um, because they were sinful. And that's why Daniel's here. But we see that right here where these guys who were evilly and maliciously trying to, to corner and trap Daniel and have him taken out of the picture, they and their whole families end up being destroyed because of it. Why? Because God's hand was there. God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouths. So think about this. Daniel, that night, you'd have to have that moment where where you're getting tossed in and you're kind of like, hmm, I don't know about this. But then he's in this pit for the night with a stone on top with these lions around. And he gets to just hang out with an angel all night. And so what seemed like a horrible thing really becomes kind of a reward. Kind of comes a blessing from God that God just said, yeah, I'm rewarding your faithfulness. And here I'm going to send one of mine to hang out with you. Why you got to spend the night in here? What a blessing. What a reward. And Darius gets it. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And so we see this decree that goes out that basically says all glory to God. He's the one that's on the throne that lasts forever. From the New Testament, we know that ultimately 
the throne that lasts forever is the throne of Jesus Christ. The Son of God who came and he died on a cross, purchasing redemption of sin, making a way for us to be forgiven so that as Darius says here, he delivers and he rescues. That's what Jesus came to do, is to deliver and to rescue. And he did that by dying on a cross, paying the punishment for, for our sins with his own life. And we know that he's able to deliver and rescue because he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. I mean, the worst thing they can throw at us is death, right? And Jesus is like, I got this. I've covered it. I've covered sin and death. And for anyone who is mine, anyone who has come to faith in me, anyone who's called on me, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, is what it tells us in Romans 10. And so I ask you, have you called on him today in a way where you will be delivered? We've talked a lot today about faithfulness. And faithfulness is very important. But you cannot be faithful enough to earn your salvation. Because as Solomon prayed in his prayer, we all sin. And the punishment for sin is death. And God is a righteous and perfect judge who executes perfectly. And so, yes, sin is something that God is going to punish. Evil is something that God is going to punish. And without Christ, that's where we all are. And so I ask you, do you know Christ? Do you know the power of his resurrection? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you? If so, then what he's done for you, for your life, is he sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. The enemy that seeks around to, seeks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, Jesus says, no. They're mine. I'm protecting them. You have no place here. And so I ask you, are you a part of his kingdom? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Because you can today. Simply cry out to him and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You lived a sinless, perfect life. And you died on a cross paying the punishment for my sin. A price that I owed, but you paid it for me so that I could be forgiven. I believe that you rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And you can have that assurance of salvation today. Once you have that, once you have new life in him, then what do you want to do? Then you want to be faithful to him, like Daniel was. Daniel knew the Lord, and so he was faithful. If you try to be faithful without knowing him, it's going to be hopeless, and you're going to burn out, and you're going to get frustrated. But if you know him, then it's a lot easier to be faithful to him. So I ask you, do you know him today? Because just as Darius says here, all glory to God. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who is saved, fill in your name here from the power of of the lions. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you that you are the one who saves. 
that you're the one who rescues us, that you're the one who makes us right with God. We are guilty. We deserve death. We deserve for our evil to be punished. And yet you came and took that punishment on yourself, and we thank you for that. We are eternally grateful, Lord. Lord, for anyone here who doesn't know know you in that way, that doesn't know the power of your resurrection, I pray that today they will give their life to you. I pray that today your Holy Spirit will weigh on them and will draw them to yourself. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.